Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by a brand new sponsor of ours, Paytm Canada. Paytm is the best way to pay for everything. All of your bills can be paid in one place, your rent, your property tax, all of it. It is an app that makes this chore one simple, easy thing. They are so certain that you are going to use them for your bill payments, that they're going to give you 10 bucks. Pay a $200 bill, get $10 back when you download Paytm Canada and use the promo code CanadaLand. This episode is also brought to you by HelloFresh, the meal kit service dedicated to making cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Each week, they create delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes. It all gets shipped to your home. Get half off your first box when you go to hellofresh.ca slash CanadaLand and use the promo code CanadaLand. Facebook is in trouble with the government. Lots of governments. In the States, Facebook got dragged mercilessly by the Senate after serving 126 million Americans Russian-bought propaganda ads during the last presidential election. Perhaps you saw this video clip of former Senator Al Franken. 
How did Facebook somehow not make the connection that electoral ads paid for in rubles were coming from Russia? How could you not connect those two dots? I think in hindsight, we should have had a broader lens. And yeah, it's not just in the States. In Germany, Facebook is being investigated by the government's federal cartel antitrust office over claims that Facebook extorts personal data from users. In Australia, Facebook is also facing an antitrust crackdown. The government there is asking whether Facebook might be exercising their dominant market power in the media business to the detriment of consumers, media content creators, and advertisers. In the UK, Facebook is being threatened with huge new taxes if they do not increase their efforts to crack down on extremist groups. And in Canada, actually in Canada, Facebook and the government are getting along just fine. In Canada, the government is not cracking down on Facebook. It is partnering with Facebook. Here are how some of these partnerships work. Let's start with our elections. The CSC, our digital spy agency, has warned the government this past June that hackers would almost certainly attempt to influence the democratic process through social media during our next federal election. But instead of regulating Facebook in response to that and demanding that they prevent any foreign schemes from subverting our elections through their platform, instead of telling Facebook what to do, Facebook is telling our government what to do. Facebook launched a Canadian election integrity initiative, which puts the burden on our politicians and parties to regulate their own cyber hygiene and to report suspicious ads and content. When Facebook announced this plan for our elections, the government participated as Facebook's guests. Kevin Chan is Facebook's head of Canadian public policy. He hosted Karina Gould, Justin Trudeau's Minister of Democratic Institutions. He introduced her to his stage where she praised Facebook. I am absolutely delighted to see Facebook taking a step in the right direction today in addressing the challenges of the digital era and the continued protection of our democratic process. Did you catch that? The government of Canada is delighted that Facebook is protecting our democratic process. It's bizarre. And it wasn't the only time. Remember when Heritage Minister Melanie Jolie unveiled her Creative Canada plan? The headline was the Netflix deal. Instead of regulating Netflix, instead of taxing them and forcing them to make CanCon, Jolie got them to invest $500 million to willingly make CanCon. But the Creative Canada plan was not just about Canada's TV and film industries. It was also about our news business. And just as Canadian TV and film industries were demanding that the government regulate and possibly tax Netflix, so too was the Canadian news industry demanding that the government regulate and possibly tax Facebook and Google. And just as the government decided not to regulate and tax Netflix, instead securing an investment from them into the Canadian film industry, they similarly decided not to regulate and tax Facebook, instead securing an investment from Facebook into the Canadian journalism industry. But there was one difference. Whereas Netflix agreed to cough up $500 million to Canada, Facebook came through with $500,000. 
half a million bucks to be awarded to five different Canadian news startups through a digital news incubator administered by Ryerson University in partnership with Facebook. Now, usually when you donate money to a university, you do not get to decide how they are going to spend it. But Facebook has a say. They have a seat on the committee that will award these journalism prizes. Like they say, it's a partnership. And Facebook has other partnerships in Canada, not just with the government, not just with universities, but also with the news business. They have this News Literacy Award in partnership with the Canadian Journalism Foundation. Online, you can find a photo of Kevin Chan, Facebook's Canada policy guy, smiling in a photo op with the head of the Canadian Journalism Foundation. So who is that? Who is the head of the CJF? It's David Walmsley, the editor-in-chief of the Globe and Mail. Here's what I'm getting at. Facebook is where most of us get most of our information from. It is a powerful force in Canada, unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And whether or not Facebook has a responsibility to bail out the news industry is a matter of opinion. And my opinion is that they don't have a responsibility to do that. A lot of people disagree with me. But certainly, certainly, the news industry has a responsibility to scrutinize Facebook. The government has a responsibility to scrutinize Facebook. Universities have a responsibility to scrutinize Facebook. But here in Canada, I am not sure that they are scrutinizing Facebook. But I do know for a fact that they are partnering with Facebook. And I asked them to talk with me about it. I asked Kevin Chan, Facebook's Canada policy guy, onto this show. He wouldn't do it. He passed me on to a Facebook spokesperson who said that he would be happy to answer any questions I have. So I asked him, how can Facebook be launching a Canadian News Literacy Award while refusing to discuss it on Canada's best-known news literacy show? He didn't answer that one. But he did suggest that I direct my questions about the $500,000 News Incubator program to Facebook's partners at Ryerson University, which include Ryerson's School of Journalism and the Digital Media Zone at Ryerson, an organization that calls itself the number one university-based incubator in North America. And I was going to do that. I was going to email the DMZ, the Digital Media Zone. But before I could contact the DMZ, the DMZ contacted me, a guy named Shane Flynn, the program's lead of the DMZ at Ryerson, got in touch with me. He said in an email, from my understanding, you have been in touch with Facebook about the program. We felt your organization would be a great partner to bring on board. I told him that we couldn't do that. Canada Land can't partner with Ryerson School of Journalism and the DMZ and Facebook because we are covering them. But I did ask him if I could ask him some questions. He said, yeah, uh, maybe you could direct your questions instead to the head of Ryerson's journalism school. I said, yes, I would love to ask her some questions. He said, yeah, uh, she's on vacation, which, you know, fair enough. It was close to Christmas. Guys, I am not trying to describe a vast conspiracy. What I am describing is something that happens in Canada a lot. All of these partnerships can get in the way of checks and balances. I'll give you an example. Kevin Chan, Facebook's Canada policy guy, the guy who won't talk with me about Facebook's partnership with the Liberal Party or Facebook's partnership with Ryerson University, well, he used to be with the Liberal Party. He used to be Michael Ignatius' chief policy guy. 
and he's still with Ryerson. He is on the Dean's Council at Ryerson's School of Management. Speaking of Ryerson, the woman that runs their journalism school program, the one who was on vacation, that's Janice Neal. And Janice Neal's husband, of course, is Ed Greenspawn, the former Globe and Mail editor-in-chief who runs the think tank that the Heritage Ministry hired to research the news crisis. And since we're speaking of the Heritage Ministry, its chief of staff, as it was figuring out what to do about Facebook and Google, should they regulate them, should they tax them, that person would be Leslie Church, the former Canadian public affairs person at Google. And sometime before Leslie had that job, she also worked for Michael Ignatieff. And round and round we go. And look, these are all ethical and forthright people, I am sure. But they have partnerships and other relationships that inhibit them from scrutinizing each other and from speaking freely about one another on a show like this. I found out about all of this when two different prominent Canadian journalists, independently of each other, told me about it. Both of them were amazed that this was happening, and they were amazed by the lack of critical news coverage about it all. So I asked them, I asked them one at a time, would they come on the show and talk about it? And they both told me that they would love to, except they couldn't. Each of them had their own conflict of interest with Facebook. But they were right. The little coverage that these partnerships have received in the press have been almost uniformly positive. Incredibly positive news coverage of wonderful projects between Facebook and the government and Facebook and Ryerson and others. There is only one critical voice I found quoted in any of the stories about this. And those quotes were from a guy named Fenwick McKelvey. He is an assistant professor at Concordia University in Montreal. He is focused on digital policy. As far as I know, he has no partnerships with Facebook. He may have a Facebook profile and he's going to join me in a moment. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Sean Roberts, David Kochberg, Mint Marcellus, Corey Hawes, Marcello Barsanzi, Kevin Bennell, Sam Mills, and Terry Newell. Hi, it's Terry from New Westminster. I'm an insurance broker. I listen to Canada Land because I like your take on the media, Jesse. I support Canada Land because it's important and because Thunder Bay. We really need that story. Plus, you're not always right and you admit it. That's also nice. There is a but, though, Jesse. I strongly disagree with your stand on the CBC. I disagree, but I get it. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month 
at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. It doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. And this episode is brought to you by Paytm. I went and visited these guys at Paytm. It turns out that this is a massive thing in India. They have millions and millions of people using this app for payment in India. It's really interesting how developing countries are leapfrogging us when it comes to, you know, like places where like not everybody got credit cards. So they're just skipping that and they're moving to a better system. And Paytm is how people pay each other for like everything. There's a whole philosophy behind this app, Paytm Canada. And the philosophy is basically that we're getting fleeced by the banks and others who either take percentages when we want to move money around or they take a fee. It doesn't need to cost anything to move money around is the philosophy of Paytm. So that's where they're coming from. They want to disrupt the banking system. Our banks make a fortune by nibbling away at us with these little fees. And Paytm just says, like, there's just no reason for it. Use our app. And uh, this is a better way to do it. You can use Paytm for a lot of things, but perhaps the most useful way of introduction for Paytm is that it is a one-stop shop for paying all of your bills in one place. They are so sure that this is going to be what you will use for your bills and probably for other things that they're just going to give you 10 bucks. When you make your first bill payment of at least 50 bucks, they'll give you 5% cash back and that goes up to a maximum payout of $10. So essentially, if you've got a $200 bill for something and you pay it through Paytm, they give you 10 bucks back. I think that maybe you should do this. If you are a person who is fond of getting $10 that you wouldn't otherwise have, I think you should download Paytm to your mobile device and use it to pay a bill. Use the promo code CanadaLand. This episode is also brought to you by HelloFresh and what a good time of the year to skip the trip to the grocery store, to not wander up and down aisles, trying to figure out what you're going to cook tonight, buying more ingredients than you need. Why not just have a box delivered to your home with recipes that are so easy and tasty and take 30 minutes and use fresh ingredients and that you don't have to waste anything. They send you exactly the right amount of everything. No food waste delivered to your doorstep. 50% off your first box. If this sounds like a good idea, why not try it out with 50% off of your first box? Go to hellofresh.ca slash CanadaLand. Use the promo code CanadaLand when you subscribe. It's just something that makes your life easier. Hey, Fenwick. Hey, great to be here. So Facebook wants to give away money to Canadians who want to launch journalism startups. What's wrong with that? Well, I think we're wondering what the scope of the program is going to be and trying to understand how it fits into the bigger picture of social media and platform governance in Canada. So I think on its own, the program might have merit, but 
as part of a bigger picture of what's the state of journalism, what's the state of, say, internet governance in Canada, um, I think there's some questions about the ability of this actually making a difference. Before we even get to that, there are other questions that came to my mind. You know, like this is a partnership between Facebook and Ryerson, but it wasn't announced by Facebook or Ryerson or the DMZ, this group they're working with. This Facebook partnership was announced by our federal government. Did you find that odd? Well, I think that, you know, this is where I'm getting at in a little bit of, you know, contextualizing this. So this came out as part of the Creative Canada decision, which was one... I think so far the only major announcement from Canada's broadcasting consultation, it was a document trying to signal changes into support for the arts and cultural production. And at the end of the document, there was a host of these, a few of these different, you know, quote unquote deals between the Canadian government and large platform companies. And so it's odd that this is such a centerpiece program given it's a relatively small amount of money. Fenwick, what did you make of that? Well, I think there's there's a few things. I mean, none of this fits into this kind of wider conversation we need to be having about the fact that most Canadians, the primary platform that you're using is Facebook. 68% of Canadians use Facebook. And we're just seeing that broadcasting, the different ways that we interact with media are changing, and yet much of our policy discussions are happy to have this conversation about, oh, broadcasting is a traditional issue, and then heave off all the more kind of difficult questions about what we're doing with digital media to a series of kind of deals that really seem more kind of small-scale announcements or things that uh, make for good press releases but don't actually amount to much of a holistic digital strategy. I mean, the figure itself is kind of noteworthy. For a company like Facebook, which now the advertising market that used to belong to newspapers is now majority owned by Google and Facebook, if I'm not mistaken, $500,000 seems like nothing to them. Well, and I'm using research from Dwayne Winsek and the Canadian Media Concentration Research Project. But, you know, that project claims that they control 72% of a about $5 billion industry. So certainly they're in a very lucrative spot and we're not entirely clear about, you know, what their kind of status is in Canada. And particularly they're just announcing moves to how they're administering online advertising. So it's changing a lot. And, um, you know, it seems not a lot of money. And I think we're putting all of our eggs in one basket in a $500,000 program. And I think the thing to say is that with such growing concentration in the online advertising market and just the influence of Facebook and Google in particular, they're kind of being asked to fix all these problems that they're a part of. And I think what's disconcerting is they're really willing to kind of step up and try to get ahead of regulation and announce these programs. But it really, I think, leads to poor policy decisions because we're not actually developing the types of programs or the types of coordinated responses that actually might lead to a systematic change. You know, what's disconcerting is this is a five-month program with five potential startups that are supposed to bring innovation to digital journalism. It's it's really ambitious and puts a lot of pressure on this one program to be successful. And, you know, startup culture, from anything I understand, isn't necessarily conducive to everyone's a winner. Yeah, really ambitious, not in its scope, but in the amount of burden it places on the five winning uh, projects, you're saying. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, there's some issues about its governance that I think we can, we're going to talk about. But I think the scope of it is just it's $500,000. not a lot of money. It's a small program. It's an incubator program. I mean, I just question how much is it's going to be able to achieve. And the concern is that it's presented as some sort of solution to the state of journalism. If you watch how Facebook is operating globally, 
they have very different strategies. And so in six other countries, uh, including Serbia, Cambodia, Guatemala, Sri Lanka, Bolivia, and Slovakia, they've actually parsed out the news feed from the social feed. So if you log into Facebook, you'll be greeted with your friend's post and advertising, and then there's a separate tab, from my understanding, which would be for the news media. Journalists in those countries are petrified because it's led to a huge drop in their advertising revenue from Facebook and their traffic. And it's just weird because, you know, we're watching this global experimentation from companies that are known to be experimenting on us. So I feel like Canada is a very benign experiment in Facebook's approach to journalism and democracy. And you see much more disconcerting ones taking place elsewhere. And part of what I wonder is just this, you know, broader strategy at work at Facebook of how we're part of the fun experiment. You call this a lab rat that essentially, you know, different countries get different experiments and we're all just being experimented on. Well, I think that one of the things as an academic, you know, we've had questions about how Facebook has conducted experiments. There's the emotional mood manipulation experiment, which, you know, there was a lot of debate about that. And all companies are optimizing and performing kind of random A-B testing experiments. And so, you know, it's not hard to just make this kind of stretch that this culture of experimentation and testing is just now being applied to journalism in some ways. I want to return to something you said earlier. Uh, you said that Facebook is trying to get ahead of regulation. They are facing regulation in other countries. There are any number of bills looking at their advertising and their duty to disclose, provide more transparency, especially with political advertising after the American election. They are facing various types of antitrust and privacy probes, investigations, legislation around the world. Here in Canada, there's nothing of the kind. And if I'm hearing you correctly, their attempts to get ahead of regulation in Canada are characterized by this $500,000 project. Are we that cheap? Can Facebook get out of being regulated in Canada with, with a half a million dollars? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that, that stand, you know, remains to be seen is that, is that enough of a gesture? And, it, it, you know, I, I don't want to put into, well, here's the, here's the amount of cash we need to shut up and go away. But, um, you know, it is a question about like, what's their actual commitment to these uh, matters? And, and I'm in this weird moment because I basically study two often historically separate worlds, which has been media policy. And so doing a lot of work on, say, broadband and broadcasting. And then I also do work in political communication. And all of a sudden, after the 2016 election, my two worlds kind of totally collapsed where all these social media platforms, which have been historical media policy issue, have become perceived as, and I think legitimately, a problem that needs to be solved before our next election. There needs to be this discussion about, like, what are these platforms doing? How do these platforms function at times like broadcasters? How do they, you know, how do we talk about antitrust issues? What, is, what do we mean when we talk about, the, say, the concentration of ad, online ad revenue into two companies? All these are, I think, really important media policy questions, and yet what we're getting is a CRTC consultation about the future of broadcasting. Well, it's really hard to have the conversation because, I mean, y you are suggesting that they're trying to get ahead of regulation with this $500,000 journalism prize. The government, Melanie Jolie, in her speech, framed it that way as well. She said, we expect internet companies that aggregate and share news to contribute to our goals. We've asked Facebook to do more. And today I'm pleased to announce that they're partnering with the Digital Media Zone and Ryerson to do this digital news incubator. Like we went to Facebook and said, you need to do more. They coughed up a half a million dollars. And so I go to Facebook and I say, 
what did you get in exchange for your $500,000? Was there some sort of uh, understanding that this means that you won't be regulated or were you doing this in order to not be regulated? And they said, no, nothing. We expect nothing in return. We got nothing in return. On the face of it, that feels disingenuous to me. They're doing this for a reason, and I think it's not conspiratorial thinking to suggest that they're trying to stay in the good graces of this government and of, like they don't want to be regulated. I feel like they're blocking a conversation on this. I feel like it's almost everybody's interest, other than Canadians, to not have this conversation. I mean, certainly it's good for the Trudeau government to be connected to digital innovation. I mean, I think that that's something that they're really trying to get out in front of in their brand and look young and hip and do press conferences on Facebook. There's a certain synergy that is in both of their interests to not really have this more difficult conversation, which is that the Internet's increasingly controlled by four or five companies. They seem to be in a very monopolistic position that's not going away. And that any real questions we're going to have about broadcasting or the Internet policy are really going to have to be working around them. And until we actually think about that seriously, a lot of us is just going to be, you know, kind of probing around in the dark. We're being very critical of Facebook here. Facebook, you know, it can be expected to do everything that they can to promote their business interests. That's not a huge shocker or a scandal. Perhaps our ire should be more focused on the government could hold Facebook to account. Here instead, we have Facebook co-opting the government for a pittance and basically aiding the government in rolling out their Creative Canada plan. Similarly, like you say, we've got this election coming up. We saw what happened in the States. Like half of the eligible voters in the United States were served Russian ads for their own domestic election. And now they're facing legislation in the States because of that. There's no reason to believe that something like that might not happen in in Canada. And instead, the government is partnering up with Facebook on an election integrity project. The biggest threat to Canada's election integrity is probably ads through Facebook. The government does not look very strong in this position. Yeah, you know, it's fun because it's like this weird, is this moment where it's like, yeah, you want to go down the CanCon and these broadcasting questions? And at the same time, there's this whole election angle. And it's all it's all collided together because all this is happening on Facebook. And I think the, you know, truth of it is that once you become a big enough company and you become so dominant, it becomes a kind of all roads lead to Rome scenario. And I think this is the problem with media concentration is that, you know, we don't have a robust enough ecosystem to kind of fix these things. It's going to be all more and more the burden is going to be put on Facebook to fix it. And that's going to have to, unless it wants to give up some sort of oversight or administration, it's going to become more and more problematic. And I think the, you know, the Minister of Democratic Institutions, I struggled, I think, to handle Facebook's initiative and its election integrity initiative. And I think that one of the things that myself and my colleagues, you know, are talking about is just that we haven't, we haven't gone far enough. We don't see what Elections Canada is doing about this. We don't have a kind of coordinated strategy. And that strategy also feeds into what we're talking about in Creative Canada, which, again, is just a grab bag of announcements. It doesn't actually talk directly to this question of platform capitalism and the concentration of power in a few different companies. You know, there's two stories to me that really resonated. One it was the TVS story that falsely reported a, uh, a mosque had asked female construction workers to not be present during prayers on Friday or something to that effect. It was totally retracted. It was totally fake. Mm-hmm. That was totally amplified online. Now, that is the exact type of vector that foreign actor would try to use to disrupt our election. That was what was I found the most compelling part of the Russian inquiry. It wasn't technically sophisticated. It just found cultural cleavages and exploited them. And for any women online, you can just see how divisive 
and hateful online communities can be. And I think we're watching that being weaponized. And certainly the fact that we're not reflecting on that moment as an example of how our democracy could be undermined, and, you know, I think that's a major story. The other one was that we found out in Quebec that there's a bunch of fake news sites that have popped up reporting yeah. to be local newspapers. So, I mean, you know, all these problems are present. Myself and Elizabeth Dubois uh, published a report on political bots in Canada, which were active in the 2015 election. Certainly, media manipulation can be just as effective in Canada as it could be in the United States. Fenwick, I know that you're more concerned as an academic with research than with politics, but you couldn't have missed the politics of some of these associations. I'm sure you noticed what I've noticed. Facebook's policy guy in dealing with the liberals used to be with the liberals. The liberals heritage ministry chief of staff, as it deals with Google, used to be with Google. It goes on and on. I mean, did, did any of that raise an eyebrow for you? It's hard to always draw a line. And I'm always worried about how neat it is. You're like, well, this person knows this person and this person knows this person. I mean, partially we live in Canada. But I think what is disconcerting is that you're, you are – looking at who's involved in policy in Canada. And typically, from anything I can tell, it's one or two people. You know, if you look in broadcasting policy, they have entire shops dedicated to these issues. If you're going to take these issues seriously, you need to invest in people that understand them and are willing to interface and deal with those nuances. And I don't know if like one or two people per company is really enough. And certainly it, put, it allows for us to kind of start questioning these optics. But the fundamental is just that maybe there's not enough people really thinking about these issues at these platform companies in Canada. I would also suggest that, you know, if in fact you're dealing in such a small fishbowl as Canada where everybody knows everybody, that's reason for more firewalls preventing these types of partnerships, which give the appearance of conflict of interest. And whether there actually is a conflict, it's really hard to distinguish. You think that if everybody knows each other, you know, then let's not shake hands and trade money and share projects because there actually is a responsibility for government to regulate Facebook. That gets into this point where I really think that I have concerns with how the government has positioned itself as this leader on digital innovation, and often that seems pretty vacuous when it comes to actually being innovative about digital policy. I mean, certainly Creative Canada didn't even clarify what Netflix is in Canada, making it even more uncomfortable for the CRTC, the Canadian Radio Television and Telecommunication Commissions, for those who aren't familiar with the acronym, to deal with these kind of companies. And then, you know, at the same time, you're seeing these funding announcements that are really look good for the liberal brand. And so I think to me, it's, it's that, you know, willingness to engage in discussions up to the point where they get difficult, which has been, I think, a really problematic aspect of the liberal government's mandate so far in all areas internet related. It feels like we're kind of like um, eight years behind, like the early days of Obama, the fact that he had all these relationships with Google and that all these smart young people from Silicon Valley were involved in his campaign, really like put a shine on his campaign. Like this is young, it's progressive, it's innovative. And that was really before we saw the dark side of these huge digital players from privacy perspective, from antitrust perspective, from the fake news perspective, the, the psychological perspective, you know, like the addictive, emotional, uh, everything that we're starting to finally contend with. You couldn't sell that the same way in the United States as you could nine years ago. But here it still looks, it's, it's a good look for our ministers, for Jolie and Gould and Trudeau to cozy up to these players. You know, it, it's a lot about just this term, the digital, right? And I feel like what we've done is we've said, oh, these are all digital issues and we're just going to deal with them because they're about computers and they're cool. But really, I mean, that's just gone and buried. Like, we're the Internet's part of everyday life. We all have smartphones in our pockets. Like, anything that we're talking about is the normal. I think this willingness to, you know, indulge in this idea that digital is somehow 
something innovative is, I think, really problematic. And it goes just beyond, say, the, the you know the liberal government. I mean, I've often been frustrated about the lack of any, say, algorithmic beat in Canadian journalism like we've had in the United States. And you've seen the amazing work yeah. that ProPublica has been doing at really raising these questions, really raising how there's some clear oversight issues with online advertising that have been, in my sense, the only effective instrument in getting some of these companies, particularly Facebook, to actually restrict or rescind some of their kind of advertising and targeting programs. Those all could apply in Canada, and we just don't have much reporting on it. I think I used to be a a bit more swayed by the argument made by these tech platforms that they're just dumb pipes. They themselves contradict this. Just recently, Facebook announced that they're, you know, they're they're always tweaking their algorithm on editorial grounds and they're going to be downvoting things that they consider to be, you know, engagement bait stories, you know, click this if you're a Sagittarius. They're constantly making decisions about what is good content, what isn't, what is good news and and what is fake news. They're, They're finally accepting that they have a role to play in that. Even Facebook, it seems, has acknowledged that, but in Canada, it feels like we're still of this mindset of um, we mustn't get in the way of innovation. Innovation is taking its own form. Regulation will just clog that up. I think I was more swayed by that in the past. And I still feel pretty skeptical about some of these plots to just prop up old systems by taxing. Like that seems like a pretty blunt instrument just to tax digital. But when we talk about election interference, you know, when we talk about matters that actually just speak to like the actual integrity of how we elect our leaders, giving free reign to a, a foreign monopolizing force like Facebook feels like madness to me. Well, I mean, and I just need to kill this tax thing once and for all, because I think everybody keeps talking, and the Netflix tax is probably the largest albatross, I feel like, in media policy, because everyone's talking about a Netflix tax as some sort of cloud tax like they proposed in Chicago. And there is just legitimate questions about how these platforms collect taxes and contribute to the Canadian coffers, which has nothing to do with trying to add a new tax. It's just trying to even think that they can be normalized so that they have a presence in Canada that might be seen to behoove them to collect the GST and the HST. And I think what what bugs me and fundamental about that is that it continues or perpetuates this idea that, oh, they're just small startups, you know, that they're small companies that don't know how to deal with these things. And that's totally untrue. They're some of the most profitable companies in the world, and yet we're too polite to even ask them to maybe charge HST on their subscriptions or their advertising. Isn't that forthcoming as a result of like some international standards or something that there is going to be a holistic? It always felt to me strange when people are saying tax Netflix. Like, why would you just tax Netflix? You know, the point is we need HST to apply to any online service. So my understanding was that we were just waiting for some sort of international standards. Yeah, that's my sense of it now, too. But I mean, you know, the amount that everyone's willing to talk, say, about, oh, we're not going to do a Netflix tax, but... And this is the policy geek in me being like, it'd be nice if they just said that, hey, collecting GST and HST is something that most Canadian companies do. And these are companies that are operating in Canada, and they're not exceptional. We were getting to the sort of the third plank. You know, if the government seems to not be interested in keeping Facebook in check and the media doesn't seem to be doing a very good job of it, there is academia. All the stuff you talk about in your show, to me, are matters that we study in communication studies programs across Canada. And we do really good research, and yet it's hard to do that research. And it's, I think, also really hard to find people who want to work with us as researchers to do their masters or do programs to study the or a PhD to study these programs. And I think we've often kind of undervalued the university as a public institution that's creating public knowledge about these problems. I myself am trying to figure out how to make my research be more legible to people. That's why I'm here. And I think that too often we've kind of let universities be seen as doing something else or ceding some of this research to think tanks 
And I think that the role of universities is, is more important than ever to be grounds for independent objective research. And I encourage anybody who's interested in these things to think about universities as a place where we can do this type of work and research. Can your university afford to sour its relationship with these massive players, with a Facebook or with a Google? Well, I mean, I can't speak. I mean, you know, I'm an untenured professor at a university, and and that's not a cop-out. I think we do. I mean, you know, we're talking about these issues. I think the thing to me is like, you're trying to be level-headed about it. And I think the the way I look at this $500,000 isn't some sort of Machiavellian scheme. I just think it's kind of mediocre. And I think it's part of a larger conversation and problem. And I think it's really legitimate to raise those questions. And, you know, I think that universities are under pressure or underfunded. And, you know, it's up to the public to kind of believe in them. And I want my research and the stuff I do to matter. And I think part of why I'm kind of feeling energized right now is we're having this conversation. I can be part of it about trying to talk through, like, what do we want these companies to be doing in Canada? How are they going to work for the public benefit and the public good? And that's something I think that we have less and less of every day, unfortunately. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It sort of crystallized it. You know, the stuff that you discuss and uh, you know, some of it crosses over with stuff that I used to talk about on my old tech show. And, you know, frankly, it was of interest to a very small niche of people. Uh, you know, tech is itself a niche and then policy related to tech is sort of a niche of a niche. And the recent events with the American election and other things going on, I think, have put this in the center of, of people's attention. The public wants to talk about this. We have an election coming up. We need to talk about this. And I don't even consider myself anti-Facebook. I feel like, yeah, I get what they're doing. You know, you regulate yourself before regulation is thrust upon you. It's what the comic book business did in the 50s. It's what the video game industry did. It's what the movie industry did. If they're trying to do that, maybe they're going to be better at it. I know that they're very leery of government interference. No industry would want more regulation as opposed to less, but they need to come and talk about it. And uh, you know, I, I can't accept their stonewalling of this. So I, I'm glad that you helped me to uh, kick this conversation going, which I'm just not hearing anywhere else. I'm going to keep the pressure on them. But thanks, Fenwick, for uh, helping me get the ball rolling. That is your Canada Land Show. If you want to send me an email about it, I will read the email that you send me. If you send it to jesse at canadalandshow.com. We are on Twitter at CanadaLand. Our website is CanadaLandShow.com. A good thing to do is to like our Facebook page and then our stories that we report regularly will show up in your Facebook newsfeed. New episode of CanadaLand Commons coming out this week. Check it out. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever else. The Imposter has an amazing new season on the go. Subscribe to that show if you haven't already. Syndication of Canada Land is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. They help us make the show available for free to community and campus radio stations across this country. Check them out at CFUV.ca. If you like what we do, please support us on Patreon. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. As a major research institution, Arizona State University offers the most online bachelor's degree programs, along with world-class faculty and dedicated support. Discover why ASU is ranked number one in innovation for nine consecutive years. Tap to learn more.